Hey, I'm Ron Moore. I'm here with Maria Stockman, and uh, we thank you for joining us for Fresh Faith. Maria, we're challenging our congregation, some of those listening, to read through the Bible this year. Even if you're listening to us today, and you may be a little bit behind, it's okay. Encourage those listening to jump in today and start reading through the Bible. Yeah, so 2020, we're doing Bible 2020. We're reading through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. and Ron Because has, that's as far as you can go. Right, and for now. Um, but that's all you— <laughs> no, no, for good. <laughs> I can't wait to start reading Revelation. <laughs> I obviously need to, to brush up. but So <laughs> no matter uh, what time you're listening to this podcast, you can jump in at any time. So visit ronmore.org. Um, we send a daily devotional that has the reading plan. And also you can join our Facebook group, Bible 2020, where you can interact with other believers and get the daily uh, devotional there every day. Very cool. So normally we get the opportunity to interview someone for a podcast, and that's always fun when you hear some great, great stories of people and, and what's going on in their lives. On this episode, we're doing something a little different, right? Right. We interviewed Stephanie Roussel uh, in a previous podcast, and this time she interviewed me for a podcast. Right. So tell us a little bit about this and then get us get us into this yeah. interview. Stephanie has uh, had her Gospel Spice podcast going. And so she reached out and said, hey, can, Ron, can I interview you? So Stephanie had the opportunity to interview Ron and we recorded it. Uh, as well. And so she has graciously allowed us to share that because we just thought we loved hearing from Stephanie in January and figured you guys would want to hear from her again um, because I know we sure did. So it was a really good time. So um, here is Ron's interview by Stephanie. Bonjour and welcome to Gospel Spice, the podcast that spices up your time with God. Here is your host, Stephanie Rousset. Today on Gospel Spice Podcast, I have a very special guest, Pastor Ron Moore. He is the senior pastor at the Bible Chapel, which is a multi-site church with over 4,000 people who meet in campuses throughout the entire Pittsburgh area. And that is the church where I became a Christian and Pastor Ron baptized me over 25 years ago. And he's also the husband of beautiful Lori, whom I love dearly, and they have been married since 1980. They have four children and two grandchildren. Pastor Ron, it is an honor and a delight to welcome you here on Gospel Spice Podcast. You bet, Stephanie. I'd love to start by you telling us a little bit about your amazing radio and podcast ministry. And the reason why I'm asking is because you have obviously such a passion to reach people and to teach them about Christ. So can you tell us how you discovered that passion for teaching and for pastoring your people? Yeah, you know, Stephanie, that's, a, that's an interesting question because um, I think uh, early on in my life, I really enjoyed uh, teaching. And it's weird because I can remember when I was about in the second or third grade going out into my mom and dad's car and getting in the back seat and uh, preaching sermons. I had no idea what I was saying, but it was just, there was something in me that just wanted to do that. And then I went to a small church growing up and had the opportunity to to teach. Like in uh, junior high, we would take turns uh, teaching. There was a leader, but they would let us teach. 
did the same thing in high school and then in college uh, through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, was able to teach, had opportunities sometimes to preach at church. And when I was in college, even taught a high school Sunday school class. And then I then I thought, man, if, if God's uh, put this on my heart to do, I want to I want to be prepared. I want to I want to be trained. And so that's why I went to seminary and um, and spent four years at Dallas Seminary uh, studying the Bible. And so I, I just think as I look back on my life, I know that doesn't happen with everyone's journey, the way God develops their gifts. But for me, there was always this 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 passion to teach God's word. And so I think any, you know, anyone listening that they're trying to discover their gifts, you know, just get involved in service, get involved in in the passion that God has put in your life, and just let Him develop that and uh, and move you along to the next step in developing your gift. Mm-hmm. I love that you were preaching to whoever was listening when you were eight years old in <laughs> well, the back of the no, car. No, I've never heard this. It's beautiful. No one was listening, Stephanie. So. <laughs> Well, the Holy Spirit obviously was doing a work. I love it. This is really beautiful. So even people who have been doing things since childhood, it might be how the Lord might be calling them to a particular ministry. I love that. But you specifically learned to apply this particular unique gift set, this God-given gift set to serve the body. And you've been doing that for so long. So how have you learned to do that? Well, I had the the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were, were both uh, followers of Christ. And for us, being involved in church was was very important. Uh, we spent a lot of time at church, and I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Uh, my friends were there. I, I learned there. Uh, again, I was able to serve there. And so God instilled in me this this love for the body of Christ. I watched the body of Christ at work. I watched people uh, love each other, and I watched them care for each other, and I watched them. Uh, serve together. We Again, I grew up in a little church, and I remember we put on a building addition, and we didn't hire a contractor. We did it ourselves. And so after work, my dad would go down to the church, and he would do whatever needed to be done, whether it was pouring concrete or putting up a wall or painting. And it was just cool to see that, and he took me along. And so I was able to, to really see the body at work. My dad, uh, when I was 19, had cancer. And I watched the church rally around him. I watched uh, I watched our pastor come over. Stephanie, I remember when the pastor would come over in the middle of the night uh, to pray for my dad as he was going through a lot of pain. And wow. I thought, man, this is this is pretty cool. This is how this works. Later on, uh, years later, my mom was sick and uh, she was going through some hard times. And I watched the church rally around her. And so God just gave me these great experiences with the church. And it's interesting, I went to seminary, I always wanted to go into kind of family counseling, marriage counseling, I always thought that was pretty cool. And I went to seminary to do that, but I wasn't there probably a month. And God just grabbed my heart for the church. And uh, for the rest of seminary, I couldn't wait to get out and be involved uh, in some church ministry. Lori and I, when we were in seminary, we served at a church together in the Dallas area, and we were the nursery coordinators. And uh, we had this, we had a blast working together and serving the families, serving their kids uh, in the nursery. And so God has always just given me this great experience, you know, to be involved in the church. We, we've been here at the Bible Chapel for, man, uh, 30 years now. And uh, 
to see to see how God works through his body to develop followers of Christ and care for one another and minister and encourage to to build each other up like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians there's nothing better than to see God at work through his body the church and and I remember years ago when you came uh, to the Bible chapel and mm-hmm. uh Man, it was cool to see you just dive in and see how the church rallied around you, and then how you used your gifts here. So uh, you were you were a big part of uh, our, of our church a few years ago as well. Yes, yes, that's been fun. I love the diversity of the journey that God has taken you on with the one key light motive, which has been to serve Him and to find creative ways to serve Him. And even though God sometimes takes us unexpected places, you thought you would maybe end up in marriage counseling, and here you are pastoring a large church in Pittsburgh. God works in mysterious ways, but whatever you do, you're doing for the glory of God. And I love that. And I love how you have that humility to keep um, taking a step back and watching people at work within the body and just enjoying them at work together. Uh, it's, mm. you know, when Jesus says, you know, this is how the world will know that we are his disciples is because we love one another and no, no place like right. the body of Christ does that. You, you know, your your podcast is named Gospel Spice, which is pretty cool. And uh, you think of all the, the different spices that go into a, mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. a meal that just brings out mm-hmm. the taste. And I just, I just left a meeting of our leadership team and it's so cool to see, look around the room and to see the different different people from different backgrounds. Not everyone had the same experience I did. Some came out of uh, business. Uh, some came out of um, a nonprofit uh, organization. Some came out of education. And yet God has us all there. So, you know, I, uh, your, your title is a great title, Gospel Spice, because you look around the room and you see the variety yes. of so many yes. people. And yet, when you put it all together, man, we want it to be a pleasing aroma to God. And so working with a team of people is, is such a beautiful thing. And, you know, the, the, the body of Christ, as Paul explains in 1 Corinthians, is just— uh, Every person is is critical to yes, the mission. Yes, and sometimes working with people is not always easy, whether it is in ministry or not. You know, uh, <laughs> we're not saying it's all perfect and good. Work in ministry can be tough, but right. it's uh, it really is an honor, even when it's hard to get to work with fellow believers. And so, how do you, when you know, whether you are in those leadership meetings with your staff, or whether you are talking to someone at a bedside or um, at a wedding or anywhere, how do you challenge people to keep honing their gifts? so that they can keep on serving God ever better? And how do you do that yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question. And, and, you know, first of all, I think when we truly desire to follow hard after Christ, He's going to take us through some experiences. Uh, some are are fantastic. Some are, are uh, times of great joy, and He keeps our perspective uh, during those times. And sometimes we go through really hard times. And God gets our attention. I we're we're going through First uh, Corinthians in our um, Sunday morning weekends at our weekend services. And when you really study First Corinthians, so Paul spent eighteen months in Corinth, and then you know he left. Man, he was criticized. His his authority was challenged. Uh, some people didn't think he was uh, an apostle because he wasn't one of the 12. Some others thought that Paul had not kept his word because he was going to come to Corinth, but uh, because of a lot of reasons, couldn't come on the time schedule he had originally planned. And several times in the book, Paul starts a section with the words, now concerning, and he's referring back to a question that the Corinthians have sent him to deal with, a question that he's addressed before, but they either misunderstood it, or they didn't apply it, or they're asking it again. 
And man, I just, when you, when you read that, you think, man, leadership's hard. Uh, you know, working with people is hard. As you say, it's a great privilege, but it's a challenge as well. And I think, uh, and I was just telling the, our, our group this today, sometimes if, you're, if you get away from the Lord, if, if your walk's not where it should be with the Lord, sometimes you can get cynical. And you can kind of think you're the only one that really cares about this thing called the church and really cares about developing followers of Christ. And that's when God really gets our attention. I, I, I've, I, a friend of mine used to say, and I've said it over and over, when I get tired, everybody else gets stupid. And when I get tired, it seems like everybody else is not doing their job. And so I think, you know, the long haul is, one, you, you got to stay in God's Word on a daily basis. We're challenging our church this year to read through Scripture. And we have a Facebook page, and we have a, I, I send out a devotional every day that uh, helps people uh, keep on track, because there's nothing like being in God's Word. For sure, some days you read it, and you don't feel like you got a lot out of it, but when you read God's Word, you always get something, and God brings it back to your mind uh, during that day. So being in God's Word. And I think, you know, in ministry, in leadership, I'm sure you have people uh, listening who are in ministry, and I'm sure you have people listening who are in business, and you, you, have, to have, a, you have to have a healthy pace. Christian life is, is not a sprint. It's, it's a marathon. And so there has to be a pace when you take times of respite. Uh, there has to be times when you get away. Uh, there have to be times when you really slow down and and listen to God's voice and and hear from other peoples. We talk a lot at our church about echoes. When I start hearing echoes, when I start hearing the same thing from different people, I think, okay, God, you're speaking into this. And so, you know, Stephanie, I think that you just you you keep in God's word. You keep in a in a meaningful time of, of of prayer and and listening to him. For me, that's that's uh, that's running in the mornings. I I run in the mornings, and that gives me a time out in uh, cold or heat or whatever the weather is to clear my mind. And I have a time away as I pray for our family and our church and different things uh, during my time. But to me, that's the time when I my mind's the clearest. I'm hearing from the Lord. I get I get more ideas during that time than than any time else of my day. I think all of us have to find that rhythm that's meaningful to us and that's doable for us so that we can really grow in our relationship uh, with Christ. My, my son-in-law is a, a great runner, runs marathons and all kinds of stuff. And, and I've, I've been with him when people ask, hey, man, I, I'd like to get into running. What do I do? And he always says, walk a block and run a block. Walk a block and run a block. And, you know, I always, I'm taken back a little bit because I think he should say, you know, ah, you know, this week start out running three miles or four miles. And he just says, no, when you do that, you get discouraged because you wake up sore the next morning and then you don't want to do it. And I think for a person listening that there haven't been in God's word, just read a little bit, just read five minutes, just get into God's word and then gradually build up because the more you're in God's word, the more you'll want to be in God's word. And uh, there's just no substitute, but we say at the Bible chapel often, we have nothing to say unless it comes from God's word. Amen. And yes. so uh, yes. keep keeping, keeping our spiritual energy, keeping our uh, healthy life uh, has to be centered uh, around God's Word. Yes. And I'm so grateful for that because when I came to faith from being an atheist, that's the first piece of advice I've pretty much heard as hmm. a new believer from you, from, you know, the family that was teaching me was that you want to steep yourself in scripture. And I absolutely agree with you. There is just no 
better habit. But it doesn't mean mm. that even when you do that, life is going to be easy. As you said, you're actually a bit of an expert on that because you have written an amazing book. It's called Worn Out by Obedience. So we don't just get worn out when we disobey God. Sometimes life is rough, even when you're trying to do the right thing. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about Worn Out by Obedience? And to me, I like to describe this book as a book for normal people who carry out this extraordinary mission of following mm. hard after Jesus, which mm. I believe would be probably the majority of our audience. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Worn Out by Obedience. Yeah, so, you know, I, I believe every believer, we go through stretches where we just get worn down and soul weary. It doesn't mean we are in a stretch of disobedience. We're doing the right things. We're using our gifts, and yet we still get we get tired. And when we get spiritually tired, we become uh, stale uh, in, in our walk with Christ. And that's always a dangerous time. We're lacking spice. Yeah. We lose the spice. We lose the spice. <laughs> right, right. You know, that's a great way to say it, right? Because instead of the, instead of the flavors coming out in our life, we get, we get bland. And, um, mm -hmm. and so Absolutely. one of my favorite people in all the scripture is David. And I always describe David as the, the man I am and the man I want to be. You know, he was, uh, he was uh, human, uh, disgustingly so uh, sometimes, and he's this man after God's own heart. So I, I can relate to him in his humanness, and I want to be uh, who he is as a man after God's own heart. David, of course, was anointed king by, by Samuel when he was young, and then he has these great victories. He goes and, and uh, stares down Goliath and kills the giant, and then uh, he, he leads his uh, army in, in victory. Saul puts him in charge of an army, and everything he he does their success. And then after a bit of that, it's as if God says, you know, you're getting too much success too soon. And for the next 10 years, Saul, of course, is, still thinks he's the king and he's jealous and he tries to kill David. And for the next 10 years, think about it, Stephanie, a decade, David is running from Saul. He's a fugitive. If you've ever been to Israel, you go to the area of En Gedi, and when you read scripture, the David hid in his stronghold. That just means David was hiding in the back of a cave someplace. And uh, David finally gets tired. He says, I'm done. And after, after two great times of obedience, where he could have killed Saul and didn't, two times, he says, I'm done. I'm moving to the land of the enemy. And for 16 months, he stays in this land called, this, this country, this, this place called Ziklag. And there, as a believer living in enemy territory, he, he lives a life of lies. He lives a life of cover-up. He, he had been doing the right things, but he finally said, I'm, I'm tired. And he escaped to the land of the enemy. So I wrote uh, Worn Out by Obedience to, to remind people that spiritual fatigue is not a character flaw or a condition um, reserved for those who are immature or weak. It happened to David, this man after God's own heart. And I wrote it to say, you know what? You can be involved in ministry. You can be going great guns. You can see tremendous success in your ministry, and you can be worn out. And you can be spiritually tired. We see that, man. We see that all the time in 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 well-known Christian leaders. I, I was just reading about a guy the other day, well-known Christian guy. He said, "There's no sin in my life. Uh, you know, I'm not involved in an affair. I'm not involved in fraud. But I got to take a break because I know I'm not in a healthy mm -hmm. spot." Mm -hmm. And so, worn out by obedience was saying, "Okay, let's let's acknowledge that we're human. That uh, we, we can't just go a hundred miles an hour without uh, slowing down at some point." Let's acknowledge 
as leaders that there are times, there are stretches in our lives, there are rhythms in our lives where we get not just physically tired, but we get spiritually tired. And and we all know what that feels like. You know, there's a body uh, weariness, but there's also a soul weariness. And when we do that, we have to make sure that that we don't escape to Ziklag. Escape to Ziklag may be 10-minute pity party. It may be a um, weekend getaway, uh, you know, on a wrong site in the Internet. Uh, or it may be for some people to, like David, move there for, for 16 months and, and be uh, away from the Lord out a while. But whatever it is, it's a dangerous place to be. So wrote uh, Worn Out by Obedience to address that and then help people not get into that uh, rhythm in their life where they're becoming worn down by doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is great. I love this. It's very timely because we are celebrating a brand new decade. And so I was thinking, as you were saying, you know, David hid for... 10 years, I was thinking, wow, that's since 2010. Yeah, Think of everything yeah. we've accomplished over the last 10 years that we couldn't have done if we had been hiding. And in the same way, yeah. consider hiding for the next 10 years. That's uh, that's a dangerous right. place to be. So 2020 right, sure. is just starting and we're all talking about goals and vision. It's kind of hard to avoid these conversations right now. Uh, it's a little mm-hmm. tiring, actually. So how do you <laughs> manage to not be overwhelmed with expectations in light of the potential of a ziklag, if you will? How do you stay focused on what matters? Well, that's a great question. And one, uh, I'm not saying I'm good at this, uh, but I realize that regarding expectations, there's only one uh, person uh, I have to please first, and that's the Lord. There are a lot of people who, if you're involved in any level of leadership, there are a lot of expectations on your time and uh, and your person. But at the end of the day, I have to keep my relationship with the Lord as it should be. Uh, next, I've got to keep my relationship with my wife, Lori. Uh, we're going to be married for 40 years this year. That's amazing to me. I can't believe it. That is amazing. Congratulations. And we've been through um, so many things together. This year was interesting for us, uh, Stephanie, um, as a family. We, uh, this time last year, we had two of our daughters were going to have babies and we were so excited and and our oldest daughter, through her pregnancy, learned uh, that their little baby had trisomy 18, which is a chromosomal disorder. Uh, most babies uh, who have trisomy 18 are, are not born um, alive. They're stillborn. And those who do uh, just don't last very long. A, a month would be a long time for trisomy 18 to, uh, to live. And so uh, on uh, February the 8th, coming up on that day, uh, Jay was born. He was named after Brittany's husband, Josiah James Lewenberger the second, and uh, we called him Jay, and uh, Jay was born and lived for seven hours and then passed away. And so uh, Lori and I and uh, Josiah's folks uh, were there and were able to hold him and, and talk with him, and then the next morning go back and, and uh, hold him, not only when he was alive, but when he was with the Lord. And so, uh, man, that was tough. We, we worked through that. It was hard to uh, see our we 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 were grieving the loss of a of a grandson, and it was hard to watch our our daughter and and son in law Josiah uh, go through that, and we wanted to support them and help them. And then Lori and I were working through it together, and then a month later, our third child, Lara, a daughter, had a little baby boy, Trey. Uh, he's actually the third. That's why they call him uh, Trey. A healthy little boy, and so. He's just so much fun and so 
we just have a blast with him. And as he was born, we're a month apart. We're trying to work through this emotion that we've never experienced before. On one hand, this this sadness of losing a grandson, and on the other hand, this joy, this complete joy of uh, this new little baby boy that was born, and and uh, we're celebrating that. And our emotions were like putting, you know, if you're in a car and you you pressing the brakes and the gas pedal at the same time. Our emotions were like something we've never experienced before. And so this year has been interesting for us because we've gone through that. We've gone through the grieving process. We're actually coming up on Jay's birthday. And so we're going to have a little thing with our family to remember Jay. We've done things throughout the year to never forget him because this little guy made such an impact on our life. And then Trey, our, our new grandson, we have two other uh, grandchildren, our new grand, grandson, uh, you know, he's just a, just so full of life. And so this year it's been interesting. I think God, God has um, slowed us down a little bit. He's reminded us of what's really important. He's, he's caused us to depend on him through our joys and through our tears. And, and it's interesting, as, as Jay's birthday comes around uh, this first year, uh, some emotions are starting to come back, you know, about him and about losing him and, and working through all that. You begin to realize, okay, here are the things that are truly important. And those are the things I have to focus on. I encourage those of like yourself and Jonah, you know, your guys are at a time when your kids are at home and man, to, to, to make sure that you don't lose that opportunity of being with them and interacting in their life. And some of the listeners who have younger kids, I know when you have younger kids, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end, but man, it, it goes fast. Our youngest daughter, we have four kids. Our youngest daughter just got engaged. Oh, congratulations. And so, um, oh, yeah, so sweet. Yeah, Mackenzie got engaged. So uh, we're working through, you know, as a dad, uh, I'm, you know, that's cool. And uh, I'm a dad. Yeah, so, she's uh, your baby girl, it's huh? It's always kind of a bittersweet thing, particularly with your with your last one, your youngest one. But the cool thing is, I, I heard a guy, Stephanie, say this uh, when our kids were little. He said, if you do parenting right when they're young, then you become friends with them when they're older. Amen. And mm-hmm. uh, I just love the fact that uh, when we get together, we have, we have such a great time together. Now, I'll say this one other thing. I've been involved in a lot of ministry, and it's been fun, and, and God's allowed us to do some some fun things. I spoke at uh, the college that my son went to, Garrison, uh, a few years ago. I think he was a junior at the time, and I spoke at their chapel, and he introduced me. And um, he said, I'll never forget this. He said, you know, uh, I love my dad, and I could tell you a lot of the things he did, but I just want to focus on this one thing. Um, <clears throat> I get a little emotional talking about this. He said that, He said, the thing that's most important to me uh, is that I've seen my mom and dad love each other. Um, and uh, just that they have been married for, I don't know what it was, in 30, 32, 33, 34 years. And that was the most important thing to him about his dad. And I thought, man, all those other things that I have spent so much time and energy and effort and thinking through and worrying about, Garrison just, just he, his most impressed that, you know, that uh, the love that Lori and I showed to each other. And that shouldn't be surprising, but there in that chapel service, then I had, then Stephanie, I had to get up and say something after that. Uh, that was hard. <laughs> yes. uh, but, uh, but just to hear him say that was, was uh, so meaningful. So man, keeping that, keeping the relationship with the Lord, your spouse and your family 
ah, oh, man, those are the big rocks. Those are the big rocks. And then everything else falls into, into place. Absolutely. Yes. It is it is one of the things, uh, seeing healthy marriages, yours and my American mom and dad, Bill and Elizabeth, when I lived with them, I come from a very dysfunctional family and my parents were divorced. And so to see healthy marriages, when I was a teenager myself, to see those healthy Christian marriages, that was a huge um draw for me to see that it was possible mm. not easy but possible right and it's right. uh it is a huge honor to the that you give to the lord when you work hard at your marriage you know mm. no one is saying it's easy you know um, jonah and i have been married on we're coming up on 22 years or so wow. um we'll reach 40 you know by god's grace uh, <laughs> i hope so unless he comes back before that but yeah. uh we it, it's it's hard work but there is no other relationship besides our relationship with the Lord that can be more life-changing for us personally, but also for the people around us. As we have teenagers, our son Noah is 17 and he's getting ready to go to college. He's a senior. So we're getting ready for transitions as well. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. fun to to watch him. He's told us that he does appreciate that we, we do make our family a priority. And so I'm so grateful for people like you who have role modeled that for me, even when I was a teenager. And so I think for our audience, it doesn't matter whether you're single, whether you're married, you can role model having the right priorities in life and making relationships really what right. matters the most. Right. And our relationship with the Lord, of course, grounding all of that. Well, and, I, and, and I just want to emphasize what you said. You know, Laura and I have been married for 40 years, and uh, and we love each other. And marriage is hard. And, uh, you know, you got to work through things, and you got to you got to deal with things, and you have to ask forgiveness, and, and you have to invest, you know, in times. And I think, you know, being in leadership position, being in a ministry, sometimes that can become your priority. And it's, and, and Lori has always helped me say, okay, we got to, we got to work on our relationship as well as you, you know, you leading a church. I never want to pretend like I got it all together and, you know, everything's perfect because as you know, uh, that just is not real life. And so there may be some listening today and they may be going through a tough stretch. And, and my encouragement is, man, hang in there and give that to the Lord and do the things you need to do. If you need to go to counseling or if you need to go to a a godly Christian couple, man, go do that. Just humble yourself to do that. Work through those hard stretches because, man, it pays huge dividends uh, later on at the end. And after 40 years, you know what? You're still working on stuff. So uh, <laughs> we'll keep doing that. One of the best pieces of advice I was given, it was on leadership. And it was to say, if you want to be a leader, you have to be ready to say that you're sorry a mm. lot. And I think that applies to marriage as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the best qualities in a successful marriage is the ability to be humble, as you said, and to apologize and to, to grow together, as it is with any key relationship in your life, yeah. uh, including with our kids. You know, sometimes we mess up as parents and we do have to tell our kids that we're sorry as well. Yeah, for sure. I've told my kids uh, I'm sorry many, many times. And it's funny when they get older, you think back of some of the, some of the things you emphasize and that really shouldn't have been emphasized. I, I've apologized to him then. You know, my fir our first one, particularly Brittany, who you know. Yes. I said, man, you were a guinea pig. We didn't know what we were doing. So we apologize for all those things that uh, that we learned through you in, for, uh, in, in our parenting. Yes. And Brittany, I will always remember when she was 14 years old, she took a plane with her best friend. And those two 14-year-olds, uh, you sent them to us to live with us <laughs> in Paris for a couple of weeks. And it was wonderful. So you were branching out with sending your firstborn overseas uh, so that was that was very brave of you to do <laughs> well i have to tell you that was the day when you could go to the gate and when that plane was flying away i looked at Lori and said what did we just do <laughs> 
what were we thinking? But I'm glad it worked out. She had a great time. We appreciated your hospitality. It was fun. It was fun. It's uh, it's been fun to watch your kids grow up um, from a distance, but it's just been it's just been a lot of fun. Family really is what matters, isn't it? It's, uh, I was just talking with yeah. my team this morning on in my women's ministry team, and the question I was asking them is, what brings you joy? And everyone, it was about their families and the joy that we get, because at the end mm-hmm. of the road, what matters is how we serve our families and how we love them. So. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So thank you so much again, Ron. You bet, Stephanie. Well, it's been uh, it's been a privilege to watch God at work in your all's life and uh, proud of you and what you're doing. And we just continue to pray for uh, God's success on Gospel Spice. You can check out more from Stephanie and listen to her podcast at gospel-spice.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.